Hey everyone, it's Jim Sir. Thank you for joining. I appreciate it. So in this podcast, we've got the one and only Mr. Joe Mullings from the Mullings Group, and uh, I couldn't be any more excited and uh, and you know humbled that he joined the Medical Sales Nation podcast. In this podcast, we talk about the future structure of sales organizations, of skill sets sales professionals are going to need um, using digital media to build a brand, not only for your company, but for your own individual person on, on getting yourself known. So I'm not going to talk too much about what we're going to talk about because you just got to tune in and listen because it was awesome. So without any further ado, let's get at it. everybody to another episode of the Medical Sales Nation. It's Jim Surik and I couldn't be uh, more happy, uh, more excited, uh, a little humbled to have uh, Joe Mullings on the podcast with us here. He's the CEO of the Mullings Group and recently became the Chief Vision Officer for MRI Network. And uh, Joe, welcome to the, to the Medical Sales Nation. Jim, I'm pumped to be on and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, no, it's great. So, um, Joe, you, obviously you are, you know, part of the uh, network and the fabric of the med tech, med device world. You touch many people across the globe. And with this COVID happening, it's changed a lot of things. And I've read some of the things that you've talked about. Of the change was coming, but it just pulled it in, you know, 10 years forward. So my, my passion is around startups. I've been in startups my entire career and uh, different specialties. And so I love startups. I love Salesforce. I love building Salesforces and I'm worried. And uh, it's more worried because we don't know what the end looks like or what we're going to come out the other side. So I'd love to get, and I know this audience would love to get your insights on how you're currently assessing the outside sales teams, the structure, and maybe what you think needs to happen over the next 12 to 24 months. So we as commercial people, you know, can take that advice and, and get prepared. Yeah, sure. I mean, gosh, let's, let's boil the ocean. Let's jump into <laughs> it. <right? laughs> That's right. You know, well, you know, look, um, I, think, I think the scenario that we're all living in today since early March um, has just been accelerated. Uh, it was happening subtly, uh, but, you know, subtle changes – appear, uh, 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 I'm sorry, gradually and appear suddenly. And that's really what happened for a long time. Uh, last four or five years, I've always broken down the sales organizations, which are really the life's blood of any company, because without sales, nothing happens. Um, and, you know, there's been a couple categories. There's the sales people who are moving commodities and then there's the other end of the spectrum are the salespeople who are adding tremendous clinical value um, being there in a procedure. And, you know, that's really the two ends of the spectrum you're at. A third, a third categories come out. And it's really interesting is it's the sales facilitator who now is going to be appearing virtually, digitally, um, 
in, in, in the relationship. Uh, and, and, and so now you've got really three categories. That third category I just spoke of um, is, 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 is a very, very uh, empty category currently, but rate of growth from a career perspective will be one that uh, will be a breakneck speed. And, um, you know, you saw what happened with InTouch. You saw what happened yeah. with Lavango. You saw what happened with uh, 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 Teladoc. You know, you see companies like Proximy. You see companies like Avail Med Systems. You know, again, Joe DeVivo, good friend with, with InTouch, got picked up by Lavango. And what that is doing is suddenly there's a new competitor in the room, and the competitor for the first time is technology. Yeah. For salespeople. You know, forever we've been handshakers and our smiles have been too white and our shoes have been too shiny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> too many too many bottles of red wine to go along with that. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, we also had counted on relationships, right? Yeah. And, and 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 some more than others. You know, the ortho side has always been the deep relationship, right? Those guys more than anybody. And then you got the cath lab people. And it's really going to shift very quickly. Threats from the outside are the clear ones today with uh, the pandemic, uh, the suspension of what unfortunately are called elective surgeries. The definition of elective surgery has changed a lot in the last five months. That used to be an aesthetic surgery. Uh, now it's inclusive of, you know, patients who are oncology patients, yeah. patients who require prostate surgery, per patients who need a heart valve put in. And, you know, these are people who are moving towards critical illness, and those are the new elective surgeries. And so I think the sales force is going to become broken down. You can no longer have a general hospital be the call point. You're going to start to see a fractioning of ambulatory surgical centers coming out in mass. I think you're going to see private equity, and I wrote about this about 10 months ago. The next big investment in healthcare is going to be real estate. Um, you're going to start to have to isolate, bifurcate, and separate um, these surgery centers and these centers of care for when another pandemic comes or we, we cycle through these over time. Um, and then you finally have Amazon. You know, ophthalmology products, diabetic prob products, commodity products. You know, Amazon is probably going to cannibalize 25% of the lower end of sales individuals in the market today. Yeah. So, so when you look at all that, so conversations that I have talking to just a, a number of people across uh, different specialties and, and big company, I mean, large strategics and smaller ones. The question is coming around is how many of us are we going to need? How many district managers? How many regional managers? How many sales reps? Because you know as well as I do, I mean, when I was selling spinal implants for a company called Sophmordanic, I was driving right from the – I'm in Chicago from Northwestern to Rockford up to the border of Wisconsin and sometimes into Milwaukee. I mean, I was spending an enormous amount of time keeping those relationships going, that clinical care, that treatment – um, so you needed a lot of me over time to be able to continue to go deep in those accounts, get the business that happened, you know, for me for a number of years and, um, and building sales organizations along the way that's changed. I, I go, I just can't help but notice that's changed. And there's two things 
as you mentioned, you're talking about technology, and don't forget about Explorer Surgical in that in that group there, Joe. So, um, yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. Explore. I mean, yeah. All I need is this thing, and I'm holding up my cell phone, and I'm in the middle of a procedure in front of my customer. That's right. No, that's exactly right. So, um, so I look at it and and saying that for the for the the sales forces are coming out. If I'm a manager, I can't ride with you. I can't go in that OR for sure. That OR is only going to be taken up by one person going forward. They're not letting in R&D, clinical affairs, marketing. That's done. So you have to create – and this is what I try to get across on a lot of my podcasts is we got to have to be students of our game. Our game is in the commercial side of med tech. It's constantly changing. We have to get better. So knowing this – there's people in there who are going to adopt and there's people that are not going to adopt and adopting technologies are going not only to bring yourself value, but your customers value. Now, the interesting thing is, though, is uh, I'm, I'm trying to understand if I'm a startup and I have this great product, it's not a commodity, it's not 10 percent less expensive, it's really game changing. How am I going to get access? What is the best route for a startup like that to take? Knowing these changes, and I ask this in two ways. I know there's founders out there that still think it's, you know, 2005, right, that it's the same game, as well as venture capitalists think it's the same way. And they're expecting those returns and that sale ramp. I, I'm, I'm conflicted here, Joe, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking for some structure to put, the, you know, bookends on each side of this to move forward. Yeah, so you know, that, that that's a that's a deep question. So when we talk about the startup world, obviously, you know, what device are you looking at? Because you're talking about needing clinical lift, right? So so let's so we're gonna have clinical efficacy and safety issues. That starts to talk about an IDE, a PMA. That's a long road, right? Um, and that that includes animals first in man. Uh, you know, with Europe shutting down, one of the best things that could have happened to the U.S. startup market was Europe shutting its doors on its clinical trial activity because of uh, you know some less than less than uh, 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 a low level of integrity there based on some clinical trials that went on. So now it's all pushed back to the U.S. So that's really a very positive sense for the startup environment. Um, the, 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 the clinicians you get associated with your product now are gonna continue to be very, very important from a KOL side, because those individuals will always have access. You know, you bring Marty Leon onto your team, or you bring, you know, Peter Fitz onto your team, or some of these other people, they will always have access to some of these, you know, uh, surgical facilities, cath labs, depending on what your product is, and again, ambulatory surgical centers, you're going to start to see more of this partitioning out and the large hospitals are going to start to become more generic in their approach. That's the interesting. Per, yeah, the cost per square foot for, for specialty surgery in a hospital is dramatically higher than in some of these specialty surgical centers. Yeah. And so you're going to start to see the specialization occur. So that's number one and, and, and on the startup people. And then, you know, you've got an organization like MDIC, the Medical mm-hmm. Innovation Council. MDIC has this fantastic program called the EFS program, Early, Feasibil- Early Feasibility Studies. And they will fast track you in regards to the biggest issue with startups these days is not getting surgical time 
It's getting the time to get your paperwork through the hospital mm -hmm. in order to get that those contract and approval in place. And what they've done is the MDIC, we're going to have Chip Hans on my show in a week or two from EFS. And we're going to be talking about this program. Every entrepreneur, every startup should be aware of this EFS program. That's going to help accelerate things through. But, you know, I want to stay on the sales side. Sales is about education, facilitation, um, and awareness and attention to these docs, really, at the end of the day. I believe that the most effective med tech companies, the big ones, have the money, but they're going to be this last to the table. <laughs> with it. You're going to have – you look at a company that, that went to market today run by um, – uh, 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 Vince Burgess and Scott Hunnikins, Acutus, A-C-U-T-U-S. Uh, they crushed it today on their IPO, crushed it in the middle of COVID, uh, went public, I think. I, I got to check where the number is now. I think 2X to 3X of what it was supposed to be. Yeah, I saw your I saw your post. I looked them up. It was like they went public at 18 and it was at 2830 when I checked it out a couple hours ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so, you know, you're going to have these mid cap, high tech, super progressive wing walker leaders that are going to start to go, OK, let, let me reverse engineer this from a salesperson. Really, what do I need a salesperson for? I need them to clinically educate. I need them to facilitate a process and I need them to get me into the facility. Right. Right. All three of those can be done with technology. I can get them into the facility with Explorer Surgical or Proximy um, or Avail or InTouch because that is a portal to the hospital. Right. That's all that is. Think of it like a front door. If you want to think about it in analog fashion, it's the front door to the hospital. So let's take that aside. Then what we're going to do is we're going to start to see these progressive companies that are the mid caps that are not hostage. They're going to start to build an attention, awareness, education platform on places like LinkedIn, where all these surgeons and healthcare professionals are anyway, and they're going to start to put out content that, again, informs, educates, and drives interest towards their product. Yeah. Right? And yeah. Then once you lean in, you're going to call or lean in with some sort of activity that's going to be an attribution activity, and then they're going to call in, and you're going to have customer service success managers on the other end of a phone. Yeah. We're either going to zoom in or call in and talk to that doc. And this is going to be the same as the clinical support person who was putting in a pacemaker who showed up with the salesperson, right? Right. And now you're not going to have to pay a three or $400,000 a year salesperson. Right. You know, right. I'm, yeah. not say, I'm not saying the entire market's going this way, but I do believe in the next three to five years, there's going to be a tremendous push towards this where you're going to enable technology to, again, get in front of, educate, inform, facilitate, not have to battle, and not get in and out of a car with windshield time in order to reach your numbers. Right, right. So so going back to what we talked about before was that there's going to be a reduction in the number of salespeople that are going to be out there. There's still going to be people that are going to have to be knocking on doors, talking to supply management, meeting doctors, but... It's just the, the support, as we all know, anybody in orthopedics knows, if you're doing a one, two level cervical fusion, lumbar fusion, 99% of the time, I'm just bullshitting with everybody in the room, right? And, yeah. um, and, it, and we're really there for the staff more than we are for the doctor. 
but that's gone. I mean, that, that has to go away. We have to evolve. And you mentioned the ASCs. You see what Stryker's doing with their ASC approach, right? They're trying to drive, I don't know, $5 billion from the hospitals in the ASCs. That's a yep. huge, huge move. Well, ASCs get reimbursed less. There's going to be pricing erosion. There has to be a way to use technology to keep these companies profitable and moving forward. Yep, absolutely. And, and again, you know, we didn't even step on the medical side of technology you know, outside the virtual engagement and the, the virtual scrub in docs and the education platform and the field service call in and the upgrades. Let's let, let's look at the product category that's coming out and now and is going to continue to come out is SaaS products. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start to have everything is going to not everything. A large portion of MedTech is going to have a have a connectivity to it. Right. You and I grew up in the world. I entered into the medtech industry in 1989, but everything there was pretty mechanical for the most part. Sure. And for the most part, Medtronic, J&J, &J, uh, uh, Boston Psy, uh, uh, they're, they're all analog medical device companies. They've never sold a piece of CapEx. Sure. And so this whole software thing is foreign to them. And you can see it with the fumbling going on with their robotic product lines year after year after year and a delay. So, you know, so now you're going to introduce SaaS products, software products, where the real upsell and the new disposable is the bio connection and the biometrics you're now pulling off of the patient and or the procedure and adding intelligent data back into a cloud environment rather than it going into a piece of paper that's getting put into a file cabinet that's not connected to the world. Yeah, I did um, two podcasts with a company called iNook. And so they're, they're scanning the retina, looking for different disease states. They just got FDA approval yesterday for the U.S. And uh, Echo uh, uh, Heart, uh, Echo Surgical, so they're, um, they're based out of this uh, Oakland area. And they're doing exactly that. Little companies, right, came out of an, a brilliant engineer's mind who has no med tech experience, right? None. Nope. They And they have developed some of the most incredible technology that I use this phrase, I'm not the only one, but helps heal our healthcare system by reducing costs, by, by predicting um, disease states way before they become a problem to keep them out of our healthcare. And you sit there and you, I'll talk to my, my, uh, my peers that are in the big strategics and they're like, ah, that's never going to take off. Ah, that, you know, what are they? What are they selling? Well, they're selling a scan that goes to the cloud that uses artificial intelligence and predictive analytics to tell the doctor what a ninety-nine percent is probably happening with this patient, so that they can actually heal the healthcare system. So I agree because you don't see that coming out of big, even mid-sized companies. You know, no, because first of all, first it's not it's not their culture. Right. And I'm not saying their culture is wrong. It's their culture. And so if you really boil it back and I'm a huge J&J &J fan, but they're a consumer product pharmaceutical company and tertiary, they're a medical device company. And I'm talking about the top level leadership. I'm not talking about the amazing people sure. at the medical device level. You know, Medtronic is trying to index towards being more of a digital company, but they still are a disposables company. Absolutely. Right. And so, you know, when you start to look at chronic healthcare, predictive analytics is what you referred to, is such a critical thing is we've got to kill the monster when it's tiny. Yes. Because because right now, healthcare is 18% of our GDP. 
That is not tenable as we continue to yeah. move forward, right? And then how do you do that? Well, you don't allow it be, to become chronic and or critical where I've got to shuttle somebody in for a non-genetic issue because it's been lifestyle and I've been able to have a biometric on that person for their whole life. And then I can predictively um, predict, like, you know, cl clinically predict when I'm going to have an issue because I have an outlier situation. So you just said it. You know what you're going to start to see a lot of med tech companies come out and they're going to be non-med tech people developing them? They're not going to be therapies. They're going to be flag raisers. Yes. Okay. So you look at iRhythm. iRhythm is not a therapy. What it does is it throws a flag up and says, wait a second, before you have a widowmaker or before you have a full-on MI, I've just gave you a signal. I'm going to get to you and I'm then going to either give you a pharmaceutical or a lifestyle or some sort of interventional procedure that is not going to be a 10x load on the healthcare system, it's going to be a 2x load on the healthcare system. Right, right. No, that, that's exactly right. And it's so exciting to see these brilliant young guys come out with this technology. So um, Kaushal is the CEO of iNook. He was working in the defense industry um, doing topographical uh, video and photo capturing, and his dad was diagnosed with diabetic retinopathy and he's like why didn't this ha why didn't we know about this before so he left to start this company i mean you're right you're just taking these people who are, who are saying let's not get to that disease state let's fix it because i was sitting around a table about a year ago at hhs and uh the team there said we cannot afford to keep going down this road it was just we're we cannot we've got to figure this thing out and uh i like what the guys at potrero are doing as well with uh Kitty. Joe Urban. Yeah, Joe yeah. Urban and uh, Omar. I mean, yeah. and, and, and on Omar, you were talking about, uh, you know, flipping back to the sales uh, force. You know, he just, he just does a great job on Twitter and LinkedIn and creating awareness around the company. And so does Joe. I mean, they're, they're doing a great job. And you believe that is going to be a more effective platform that companies are going to have to adopt to be able to get to that surgeon, that doctor, that end user that treats the patient. Yeah. So let me let me and, and I've got I've got some nice real world evidence for you. So you're a sales guy. You're a rock star salesperson, right? So if you're good, if you're like really really good, you're calling on the same sixty people in your black book. If I if I eighty twenty it, pretty much for the most part year over year. Correct. Right. And then you've only got. If you're a good salesperson, you only got 16 hours in the day for the most part because you got to sleep for and eat for eight, uh, and you know hit the head every once in a while. <laughs> and so you know you're you're looking at your analog reach. You are limiting yourself on your analog reach to influence your world. You certainly have demonstrated you're a subject matter expert within your reach of the 80 people you call 80% of the time in your 16-hour day, and that's all you can reach. What if I took your intelligence, your subject matter expertise, and I scaled that on a platform like LinkedIn, which is a learning platform, and there's 660 million people on LinkedIn, there's 1.4 million in medical device and healthcare related, and then I took my subject matter expertise, much like I do, and every morning I wake up at 4 a.m. and I put my piece out, and every day it's in front of 120,000 sets of eyes. As a headhunter, 
I can't reach any more than 25 to 30 people a day. Sure. And I'm only calling the people I know. But if I put out content on these platforms that not on my webpage, on these platforms that where everybody is living their life out loud anyway, that is suddenly becomes the top of my funnel. And now if I build out with using tech beyond that for them to lean in, take them off the LinkedIn platform onto an attribution landing page that I then take them through my Explorer Surgical or Acutus or, or Potrero journey. Now I can see exactly where they're going using pixelization. I can see what they dug into and I can then reach back out to them and call them and say, Dr. Surik, hi, it's Joe Mullings from Acutus. I just wanted to touch base. I saw you leaned in. Now suddenly I've got the ability to reach tens of thousands of people where yeah. in the past I was limited. Yeah. That's where MedTech is going and needs to go. Okay, so it's, it's um, I love this conversation. So it was about two years ago when I first published my first article on LinkedIn. You, Gary V, were inspirations to get started on that. To be honest, it was watching what you were doing and then publishing that first article and almost throwing up because I was waiting for, you know, the backlash of negative, uh, you know, social media impact, but it never happened. And so I, obviously I kept doing that, putting out posts and um, now doing the podcast for about two years. And the connections and the and relationships that are being built are, are something that I never thought would ever happen. It, it's, it's mind boggling. So do you suggest then, it's not just companies that have to do this, but the individual person for that's working for the company needs to engage at that much higher level? Look, you need to put out content and those who want to, what you have, you have to put out high quality, high value, generous content that's not self-serving. Sure. Um, you know, that is the number one thing. You, the, the second that they sniff, it's about you you lose. Right. And, and it's not any different than you taking a dock out for a lobster dinner and she orders a big bottle of wine and she orders, you know, the lobster. And the second that she sniffs you trying to close a deal, you just lost that customer. That's right. And it's not any different in the digital world. The only difference is you can screw up at scale on digital, but you can also win at scale on digital. Sure. So you need to inform, inspire, educate, and, and the best thing about MedTech is our audience are voracious, lifelong learners. Right. Every doctor is. Right. Every single clinician is a lifelong learner. If you, if, you, if you dissected what they did as hobbies, it always would include some level of intellect that they're self-learning. Yeah. And, and the second that people get their head wrapped around that, that we have one of the most abundant sort of psychographic demographic to get our content to, you know, I'd be out of business. You don't <laughs> need me anymore. Sure. Sure. So, um, so, but you you are suggesting though, if as a sales rep, if you're going yeah. to be viable, you need to take this approach. Yeah. Well, look here, let me give you an example. You've hired people. You've been hired when they debrief. What's, what's one of the first thing they said, he or she, has all the connections in our market. Well, what if you did that digitally online? Do you think I get hired for my looks? I get hired because the industry follows me. Therefore, 
when somebody wants to get a product to market, they want me and my firm to carry their message to the market because I've got an enormous following and trust. So imagine if you could digitally scale and leverage out your persona and add value to the market as a salesperson in med tech, dude, you would be getting job offers every month yeah. because you're going to have 120,000 eyes and EP on you right. to wherever you go. With the second that salespeople get their head wrapped around this and commit to this, changes the game for the companies, companies win, and the sales rep wins as well. Yeah. No, that's great. No, it's great. I, uh, I want the medical sales nation, this audience, to listen to this, to understand LinkedIn isn't a resume holder, right? No. It's not. It's a community to engage, inform, uh, to, to move our, our knowledge base forward. And that's what people have to understand. And more, I have more people that probably follow me that are 30 and under. Uh, you know, which at first I was kind of shocked with, but I was like, no, they're trying to learn, right? I've got friends that are 50 and over who uh, they think I'm crazy, you know, doing the stuff I'm doing. And I'm sitting here going, guys, if you're listening to this, you've got to embrace this new way of getting your name out. You've got to create value. Get, get out there. My daughter just graduated and uh, she's going to put her first video out in the next couple of days. Um, as she's selling uh, a, as a 1099, 100% commission rep, because it's hard to find a job these days. And I said, you're going to do this. You, you, you can do this. And you're going to tell the world what you're doing. And you're going to inform and educate on how you're going through this process. And if the more people, the more young people that listen to that, the better off they're going to be for their career. And so that's just kind of giving back. Yeah. Look, the dynamics are like this. Here's, here's And I just had another... Uh, session today on, on LinkedIn Live, and I talked about this. The, the the Gen Xers and the Millennials, they were born into a digital native world, so they've got a little bit of a competitive advantage there. I'm 58. My peer, my cohort, my peers are in their late 40s, 50s. We weren't born in a digital environment, but you know what we do have? We got 25 years of experience right. that, a, that a Gen Xer and a Millennial can't get, and they can't accelerate. But if I put my mind to it as a 54-year-old to commit 100% digitally, I then leverage three decades of knowledge that that Gen Xer cannot accelerate. But I can become a digital native within one year, and then I increase my value to the entire market, and I have, I'm a bully in a schoolyard to everybody else behind me. That's right. That's exactly right. No, that's great. All right. Um, I, know, I know your time's valuable. A couple more questions. VCs, okay? I'm talking to some startups and a couple in particular. I asked the question, what are their expectations? How are, how are they looking at it um, You know, from a revenue sales ramp? And the answers I'm getting back are, no, I need to hire you know, 20 reps when I get clearance and I need to um, scale. I need to get to this revenue. And I said, yeah, but are they paying attention to the fact that getting to a doctor in their office, forget about the hospital, right? In their office is almost impossible. I went in for, uh, to see an ENT two, three weeks ago. I was the only one in the lobby, the only one in the lobby. And it wasn't because of uh, uh, the docs weren't coming and they were restricting, you know, for social distancing because they had every three chairs were blocked off, right? So... So I asked this question, I go, aren't the VCs asking you about this to, to level set 
the challenges that are coming, I still want great technologies being introduced. We're still going to have great solutions. We have to have a different deployment. But if the people with the money don't get that, what are we doing? I'm just curious of what you're hearing, what you're seeing, what you're thinking, you know, because it's, it, it's uh, kind of scary for some of these companies. Well, yeah, you know, so one of the things is uh, the VCs, for the most part, uh, depends where the investment is, what the technology is and where it's going. You know, your, your gates are different. You typically are worrying about revenue. Um, but if you're in a revenue state right now and you're just coming out of the gate with sales trying to drive, you know, adoption and ongoing utilization, it's a terrible market. No, no doubt about it. It's a terrible market. And in fact, I've got some startups that, you know, got got their approval or clearance. Um, we're trying to start to sell, basically furlough their entire organization yeah. uh, until there was a little more clarity on the horizon because they didn't want to burn through money. Sure. Um, and, 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 I, and actually, I'm an investor in one of these companies. And I was sad for them, but I was also happy that they had peace of mind to keep their powder dry until the other side was defined on how are they going to engage with the hospital with the system that they had. Um, so, you know, that's one side. Right. Uh, and, 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 you know, that's the revenue side that you're trying to drive. And then you just got to keep the baby alive long enough until the other side is um, sort of defined. And then, of course, you know, A, B and C round, depending on your product, you're not caring about sales right now. You're, you're caring about, you know, clinical engagement. Sure and your workforce, but sales right now isn't an issue for you. So I think the smart VCs will put um, shutters on the companies that were trying to drive adoption because otherwise you're just going to burn through incredible amounts of money and you're not going to be moving the ball down the field. Yeah. So when do you think with, you know, this COVID, so let's talk about uh, second Q2 of 2021, and you're a startup, and you're going to go out into the marketplace, and you're going to bring this great technology. What would you suggest as a, as a strategy? I would be building up um, on social media uh, attention, and, and you'll see if you follow me. I've got clients right now that, beside paying me for search, um, they pay me handsomely to build up attention and awareness around their products. Um, in the marketplace, you know, they come in studio, I interview them, we bring in KOLs, I dial in, I had one, I had a surgeon in Australia talking to a founder in California, talking to another surgeon in, Cal in, in New York, talking about this, you know, this, this great cool company called Precise Light, it's got a very slick technology, yeah. really smart founder, really smart venture people, they're building up this attention and awareness, right now everybody's sitting at home, nobody's out in the car, You've got an audience that's captive, and if you put out really good educational content, when 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 the other side comes around, you're not going to be starting from scratch in March of 2020. You're actually going to be ahead of everybody, and then your brand, your awareness, your clinical uh, 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 sort of prop will be out there, and you could actually be starting appointments on Zoom. Yeah. So you're going to start all of this inertia. But if you're playing with the old playbook of pressing the flesh and counting on shows and, and massive amounts of people together, you're probably going to be in a less than optimal place if you're not there already. Yeah. No, it's great. I've been uh, – obviously, I follow you and listen to 
to your to your shows, your videos, your your posts talking about that exact where marketing is taking let's call it marketing, it's taking a lead that's never been done before, right? Yeah. Much more important now than ever in the past to get that message out. And like you said, you got 100%. a captured 100%. audience. So I, I think it's brilliant. I think it was about a year ago you were talking about uh, contract sales forces. You had some stuff yeah. that was out there. What are your thoughts about that in this environment? Look, you know, I think there's probably some contract sales organizations that uh, can bring, you know, real validity to it. But there's, you know, my salespeople have to be missionaries. I can't have them as mercenaries. The behavior and the extra mile, um, you know, unless that contract sales force has seven to 10 points in that company being sold. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I don't I don't know if that would be a prop that I would bring in the med tech industry. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's interesting. I asked the question because I know a lot of well, they're, they're, they're a dying breed, the distributors for the ortho industry. Right. There's still some out there. And some of them cover three, four states. They have an infrastructure. They know supply management. They know how to get in. And so they're starting to ask themselves, how can I leverage this as I potentially am going to lose my, my contract as things go direct, right? And, yeah. Which is probably going to happen. And so I just thought it was interesting from their perspective thinking about, I have an infrastructure. How do I get into the startup business? And yeah. uh, like, well, you got to you got to sell the value that you have within the, the three, four states that you have and uh, um, and see if it'll work, especially in COVID, as if I'm going to hire maybe four or five really strong regional guys that have um, relationships and know everyone. But then I'm going to need some people to go out there and really and really kill it. So just people are thinking differently now. It's just have to. right. They have to. And so so I admire it. Um so, Joe, last question before we go. Um, it's it's kind of like a Tim Ferriss question. If, if you were to give, you know, put a billboard up, but I'm not going to do that. What What is the one or two things, advice that you would give um, a new person getting into med tech and somebody who's, you know, maybe around that 50-year-old age? We've probably talked about it, but if you could just hone it in for them, that'd be great. Yeah. So look, if I'm in the 50 plus crowd, um, and, and and I have a real good and I have a real good hold on a, a, a clinical therapy, and I really add value clinically. Um, <sighs> look, uh, I think there's going to be hiring going on with the Amazons, the Apples, the IBMs, the Googles, the Samsungs. Uh, and, and, and those organizations, what they do really well is technology. What they don't understand is the voice of the customer and the engagement with the customer. Uh, and they need some Sherpa and some leadership in certain areas as they look at these news, new therapies that they're going to try and throw their technology at. And they also always massively disrespect the clinical and the regulatory side of yeah. things. So, so, so I would look, I would keep my eyes open for the postings that I know are out there in those spaces. And I would try and move um, hell or high water somehow into a virtual or digital product portfolio. So that's one. On the young person coming in, um, live off ramen noodles. <laughs> uh, 
get a studio apartment, um, go to work, even if it was for free, for um, and, 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 and talk to a couple people in the med tech industry. Like, if you could work for somebody, anybody, who would it be? Because here's my four goals. And ask three or four people. And then go to work for that person, even if you had to pay them. Because I will tell you, in my 30 years of search, and I've sat at the table with almost every single iconic leader, man, there are some that I would have absolutely worked for free uh, for, because I learned so much in those meetings that I've leveraged it for a, a lot of success, wealth, however you describe it, based upon being exposed to them. Um, so that's what I would do if I was a, a young pop up and coming. All right. That's great. Uh, great advice. I love it. Um, well, Joe, I appreciate your time. This has been fantastic. Uh, a great, I'll tell you, you gave, you probably don't know it, but you give this great advice. I know it comes probably naturally to you, but people are absorbing it. They're talking about it. And I know the medical sales nation, uh, is gonna, is gonna love this one. So once again, awesome. appreciate your time. And, uh, thanks. Let me, let me know how I can help spread the word too. All right. I will. And so medical sales nation, listen to Joe, follow Joe. You can find him on LinkedIn. He's everywhere. So, um, and you got to follow, uh, the other people in this company, um, Holly Scott, Holly Matt Scott, Hoffman, Giovanni Loricella. Yeah. All of them, all of them, because there's just such great content coming out of there. You'll learn more about med tech in a day, watching them on LinkedIn than you will in, in, in a year or not. So, um, so, Joe, thanks again, Medical Sales Nation. Until next time, hang tough. Be well, Jim. Thanks, man. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it.